60 minutes of insight and analysis on the Volunteers and Titans. Powered by the Outkick Network, this is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. While the Titans continue their winning ways, we saw a devastating loss for the Volunteers. Powered by Outkick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, we welcome you to the Tennessee Power Hour. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Chad, a lot to get to today. Coming up in 30 minutes, we will discuss the Tennessee Titans, who sit at 7-3 and and will now face Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Meanwhile, the Tennessee Volunteers, everything that was in front of them no longer is, based on what we previewed a week ago. The loss to South Carolina is as disappointing as we've seen from this program, maybe in, I know it's a long, long time, maybe ever, considering the circumstances and where they were trying to get to. A very disappointing weekend, but plenty to preview as we look ahead. There's a lot of positive things around the Tennessee program, and there's a lot of uh, optimism to point to, and rightfully so, with what this team has done, what Josh Heupel's done, what they're doing in recruiting, what's happened this year. But Hutton, anytime we talk about battered ball syndrome, BVS, these are the types of moments that creep in the back of your mind. And as I'm watching this on Saturday night, which was a – this is not hyperbole on my part. It was was the worst defensive performance I've ever seen in 40 years of watching Tennessee football relative to a bad offense coming in. It's one thing when you get torched by Alabama – or you get torched by some other teams that are really good on offense. It's another thing to get torched by a South Carolina team who's averaging 20 points per game and just scored six points on a fake punt, and that was it, at at Florida the week before. Um, They came alive in this game. Full credit to South Carolina. They played great. Tennessee ran to a buzzsaw. Spencer Rattler looked every bit the Heisman Trophy odds-on frontrunner he was going into the season two years ago at, at Oklahoma. He put it all together for one night. He was hot. Tennessee did nothing to affect him, though. It's in large part because Tennessee put up very little resistance all night uh, to South Carolina defensively. And I keep going back to the weight of expectation. The weight of expectation coming down this stretch, knowing, okay, there's three games left. You're going to be a big favorite in all three. Just win those three, and you're going to have a likelihood of being in the playoff. That's a lot of expectation for a team coming into the season that had very little expectations. And this was honestly what I expected from Tennessee before the season started. I didn't expect to lose this bad to South Carolina, the way they played to them the year before, but I did expect at least two games where because of this offense and this defense, Tennessee just inexplicably looks really bad, where they put up some points, but they can't stop the other team and they lose in surprising fashion. On the flip side, I was expecting, hey, they're going to beat somebody or two somebodies you don't expect because the offense is not going to be stopped. On the other side, so this is the first time all year, Hutton, where I really watched a game and thought, this is exactly what I thought we were going to get from this 2022 Tennessee team at some point. This me- this measured up to my expectations coming into the season. It did not measure up to my expectations based on what we've actually seen from this group this deep into the season because uh, it really did come out of nowhere. Chad, let's go through the five most disappointing aspects of the loss to South Carolina. We will get to some some positive things as we look forward for the final two games of the of the season here. But, uh, but starting with with the disappointment and number five. So safety play. Um, I, I'm going to go right down the list uh, because you know we're going to get into the entire secondary. But Jalen McCullough, Trayvon Flowers, two veteran guys. They've always had an issue with speed. They're not very fast. 
But the angles taken by Jalen McCullough on some plays are just horrendous. They lead to touchdowns that should not be touchdowns. There's a play early on where the play should be knocked out the 10 or 11-yard line with ease, and he takes one of the dumbest angles I've ever seen that leads to an easy touchdown for South Carolina. First down's given up on third and 17 or third and 21 where you just take the right angle and you're going to get the guy out of bounds and you're going to make the play. And time and time again, they don't do that. These guys have been leaders for that secondary. They've had some bright spots. But Tennessee's not going to be good in the secondary until they over-recruit these guys, until they bring in someone that's that's faster, that takes better angles. It's just not going to get better. They are what they are right now. It's not a good secondary. They've had a couple moments where they've done something this year, but they've been shredded for the most part all year. And I think that the two prime suspects as to why that's happening are their veteran safeties. And I think this was just a horrendous performance by both McCullough and Flowers uh, in this game. Uh, we're going to get to the corner play also, but it really starts with those guys. And I thought even in the run game, you know, the stats weren't weren't terrible against the run because uh, you know there was 38 carries for, for four yards of rush for South Carolina in the, this game. They only got to Spencer Rattler one time uh, for a sack. But even in the run game, where Jalen McCullough usually shines, I thought this was a bad game for him. The, that, to me, that's where it starts in this game with poor play was the two safeties. Continue in your top five. Where are we headed after the secondary? So I'll go quick. Uh, four is corners, and it ties into safeties. Okay. Kamal hadn't led the team in tackles. That's not good when a corner is leading the team in tackles. It's even worse when the guy leads the team in trash talk. Kamal Haddon needs to shut up when they're getting abused that way. Uh, that was the most infuriating aspect of this game, was watching him constantly mouth off to South Carolina players who caught the ball for a first down after he tackles them afterward. Um, that's not good. Brandon Turnage was the only defensive back to defend a pass. He had two pass breakups, and he got hurt. And I don't know if he's going to be available to play. He was their best defensive back in a bad bunch on uh, on Saturday. Uh, number three, run the ball more. This was a South Carolina defense that gave up over 300 yards rushing to Florida the week before. Tennessee was averaging 5.4 yards per carry on the night on 28 carries. First drive of the game, Jabari Small has one of his best runs of the year where he puts his feet in the grass and turns and runs for a long touchdown game. I, I thought they abandoned the run too quickly. I know that they're going with what they see in the box, but I think even with that, Tennessee probably should have forced the run a little bit more in this game. I, I thought they got pass happy too quickly. That's really my only big offensive problem from this game. The, the rest is on defense, but that's those are numbers four and three for me. Defensively, how slow they looked even to some of the tight ends on the Gamecocks roster. The, the track athletes trying to get to the sideline looked like they were running quicksand in this game. I cannot explain it because Tennessee made South Carolina's defense look the same way in the opening possession too. But it was it was troubling to see as if they didn't know the personnel. Yeah, it was a weird night. Um, it, it you know the, the turf may have been an issue. There was a lot of slipping around. We'll get to one big issue later with that. Um, but it, it was odd because I, I'm with you. I thought both defenses in a reactionary stance looked like they had a hard time being as fast as the offense. But I think a lot of it comes down to South Carolina was just way more prepared, had a better plan. South Carolina's offense versus Tennessee's defense, they look faster because they completely out-schemed, out-coached, out-played Tennessee defensively, and they were running faster to every spot. Not trying to pin the uh... – the, the kickoff returns, too, was troubling to me. I understand kicking it short a couple times, 
and you can fair catch that now. But South Carolina had great field position at minimum, you know, 25, 30 yard line in this game. It was crazy. Yeah, not not great. Um, number two on my list, we, we, we need to address this before moving forward, the Jeremy Banks situation. Um, th- this is what gives me pause about even this Vanderbilt game for Tennessee. I know Austin Price of VolQuest is saying, look, there's no big division on this roster. The defense was okay even with Jeremy Banks not making the trip and you know being kind of quietly suspended for this game. But the fact that you've got a senior that should be a defensive leader, that's a linebacker, possibly getting into it with Hendon Hooker over doing push-ups because he stepped on the power tee in a locker room or because he made other decisions is what's being said, some poor decisions the week of the game, and being to being kept out of a game like this and then leading to this defensive performance. Josh Heupel said post-game, this game needs to sit with everyone on this bus headed back to Knoxville, and it needs to sit with the guys who aren't here also. That was a direct shot at Jeremy Banks for that defensive performance. Um, maybe it is an isolated incident. Maybe he comes back and plays well against Vanderbilt. Maybe there's nothing to see here. Based on people I've talked to, I think it's it's more of nothing big to see here in regards to that, and maybe it was a little overblown by message boards. But regardless, the guy didn't play and yeah. physically could have played. That's That's troubling to me when you've had such a special season that you've got a leader that's a veteran doing something like that that puts his team in jeopardy. And number one, is it the injury to the quarterback? Yeah, it's Hendon Hooker tearing his ACL. I mean, it's just a really sad ending to a remarkable career. A guy who finishes top 10 in so many quarterback categories in Tennessee football history in less than two full seasons as the starter uh, and was just the perfect leader for this program. Uh, so huge props, huge appreciation for Hendon Hooker. But to go down like that, trying to rally your team in the fourth quarter in a game you shouldn't be losing, and just to, it's a bad plant when yeah. you're trying to cut up field on an option and tear your ACL. I hate what it might do to his NFL draft stock. I hate what it does for this Tennessee team. But as we're going to talk about in the next segment, it's time for Bazooka Joe now to see what this offense looks like with him. And it's going to be a nice little sneak peek at what you might see in 2023 with Tennessee, good or bad based on what we see against Vanderbilt and in whatever bowl game Tennessee ends up playing in. Coming up, we will look ahead to the Vanderbilt matchup. Joe Milton at quarterback now for the Tennessee Volunteers. And looking ahead now to some things that can be promising, some things to look forward to in the final two games for Tennessee this year. If you're listening to the Tennessee Power Hour. We are served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Chad Withrow's breakdown of this week's big orange matchup next. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to GreenbrierDistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. 
So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. If you're in need of catering from big events to your weekend family gathering, my friends at Edley's Barbecue have you covered. They've been voted Nashville's best barbecue four years in a row, but I've vouched for their Nashville-style barbecue far longer. From corporate meetings to box lunches to weddings, rehearsal dinners, and holiday gatherings, your neighborhood Edley's Barbecue location is where to turn. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue. Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. From Nashville to Knoxville, Ball's news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Coming up, we'll talk Titans in their matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome back to the Tennessee Power Hour. We are served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. And you can stream the show, download the show wherever you get your podcasts by heading over to Outkick.com. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. And Chad, as we talk Tennessee volunteers and we start to look ahead, we look ahead to everything that Regal Realty Group can help all of our great listeners with. And there's so much Hutton they can help with. You, you know Hunter and Richard and the type of guys they are and how willing they are to help anyone that they cross paths with, especially when you do business with them and are looking to buy or sell a, a home. A Regal Realty Group, Hunter and Richard, look, I've known them for a long time. It's very simple. Them and their entire team of agents at Regal Realty, they're good people. They want good people in their network. If you're looking to buy or sell your house, Regal Realty Group will help you from contract to closing and everything in between. Let them do the heavy lifting. They're going to make things easy on you. It's a stressful process. It can be made very simple and easy with Regal Realty Group and Hunter and Richard, Hunter Briley, Richard Van Clive. They've been at this for a while. They're going to help you out. Just hit them up at their website, regalrg.com. That's regalrg.com. Chad, we're going to we're going to find some positivity here in a 63-38 loss as we look ahead to the the four things I know you're looking forward to despite what South Carolina was able to do and the dreams that uh, you know that came crashing down in a harsh reality on Saturday night. So as we as we begin to look ahead here to Vanderbilt and beyond, what comes to mind for you? Well, let me be clear: there is no nothing positive to take away from Saturday night. Uh, absolutely nothing, especially when your Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback tears his ACL in the midst of that awful performance. So, but moving forward now. This is what Tennessee needs to needs to look at, and it needs to self evaluate a, a little bit. Also, um, Saturday night was a good reminder. This is just year two for for Josh Heupel, but Josh Heupel said this: if this is going to be a program that's actually going to take a step into being something legit, that's not a one hit wonder in one season. Um, these are the games that have to matter to them on Saturday night. That this cannot step back into being the norm where you're going to win a couple big games and you're going to lose some games just terribly as huge favorites. And it's not going to matter because, you know, you're Tennessee and ultimately you're a 7-5 and five program. Uh, that's what you can't fall back to being if, if you're Josh Heupel. So I, I think number one, moving forward for, for this group, this coaching staff, for everyone, um, it, it's that, it, this is a pride game against Vanderbilt. I think it's pride a lot on Vanderbilt's side. 
for what they have to play for now in a bowl game and the way they've looked the last two games. But especially for Tennessee, this has been a great season. You know, if I'm Josh Heupel this week and I'm talking to my team, I'm not harping on how bad it was Saturday as much as you can either take Saturday and turn that into this being a a so-so year because you stopped playing with two games left and you're going to end up in a bowl game none of us wanted to be at in early November when we're looking at possibilities. Or you can go out there, win this game the right way, dominate a Vanderbilt team you're better than, show some pride, and end up in a in a New Year Six type game. That's really that, that's my simple message. If I'm Josh Heupel to this group, and look, they've shown pride throughout the year. The leaders in this team now that's not going to be Hinton Hooker is the biggest one, but the other leaders in this team should be able to step up and be ready to go on Saturday night. What's going to be a very cold night game where you got to be willing and able to step up and hit people defensively in this game against Vanderbilt. So I think pride uh, is is the first thing to watch moving forward for Tennessee. Number two, Hutton, is something we talked about a lot at the start of last year when they made the transition with quarterbacks. We've seen it in, in spots this year when Joe Milton gets a chance, but it's Joe Milton at, at quarterback. I mean, I think just from a functional standpoint, if you're a Tennessee fan trying to predict the future, that's the most interesting and entertaining thing to follow these last two games. It's Joe Milton's team now. How does the offense change and adapt? Are there more design runs for Joe Milton? I like what I've seen from him when they design runs this year in spot duty. I think he brings a little bit more than Hendon Hooker. He's not as elusive, but he's a better straight-line runner. When he gets going and he has a seam, he's going to pick up more yards and fall forward more than more than a, a Hendon Hooker. So what's that part of the offense like? Joe Milton cannot just be a one-speed quarterback. He can't throw it 100 miles the entire time. He's got to show some touch. He's been remarkable with the deep ball. Last two chances he got, he had another one Saturday night where he's rolling left and throws it over 60 yards in the air to squirrel wide on a dime for a big completion. We need to see a little bit more of that. But overall, just the operation of the offense under Joe Milton. And can he play as fast as they want? Does the run game operate the same? Is he making the right decision? He didn't on a fourth down on Saturday night that stopped the drive. It didn't matter. They weren't going to win regardless. But you can't give the ball up and lose three yards on a read option where if you keep it, you're probably picking up the first. That's a discouraging sign. It's all about decision-making with Joe Milton. We start to see a lot of that on Saturday. Yes, and the operation of the offense, I'm with you. You know, clock management, because believe it or not, there are times when that matters uh, for this offense. And uh, just getting them into the right play, you know, the the reads that Hooker would make. Um, I, I want to see that from Joe Milton, because I, I think that was really the the line of – the line in the sand for me, as you well know, Chad, is is the, the small things with Hooker that came in. And he just looked calm, collected in big moments, and uh, at times, uh, even last year, like Ole Miss, that there's just things that uh, uh, an upperclassman at quarterback that's transferring in shouldn't be making. And so I, I don't know if we get that against Vandy. Maybe we get that in the bowl game. I want to see elements of that that give me optimism moving forward with him. And, and with Hooker, you're right about calm, cool, and collected. It was a calm, cool, and collected, though, that knew exactly what he needed to do on every play. Yeah, yes. Knew exactly how many yards they needed for the first down, if it was third or fourth. Yep. Knew the moment, the importance of it in the game. Knew when they needed to work clock. Knew everything about it, which is really smart. And in that offense and knowing what to do. With Joe Milton, there's a calmness with him. He's almost too calm, would be my thing with Joe Milton. I don't I don't sense the urgency with him. We saw the that in this game. The urgency is 100-mile-an-hour fastball to me. Yeah. You know? like that, uh, And... and the other thing, Hinton Hooker protects the football. There are no freebies. Yeah. So just, uh, I, I just want to see uh, Milton's great. I mean, he he's got all the athleticism and the intangibles 
uh, that make up what you want in a, a quarterback. And uh, there's a reason why he started. There's a reason why Josh Heupel chose to start him over Hayden Hooker. My point is, I just want to see the small things work. And if that all comes together, that's that's a great sign for Tennessee next year. Yeah, I'm very skeptical. Um, and I, I go into this with a lot of skepticism based on what I saw with him as the starter and what I saw in the Ole Miss game. And I, and I say it, it, too calm and not understanding the moment or the situation or the down and distance at times with Joe Milton. Yeah. We'll see if that's gotten better. I've heard a lot of good reviews on how he's handled the the benching on that. He's gotten a lot better. He's looked better. He's still he's here. the game at times He's still in year. Knoxville. You know, yeah. that's how he's handled it. That's why yeah. I like it. He's uh, So he gets his chance. Yep. And look, Hendon Hooker's going to be his biggest fan. Those guys are best friends. So he's going to be a big uh, resource for Joe Milton as they get ready for, for Vanderbilt. A Vanderbilt defense that has not been very good this year. They've stepped up the last two weeks. But there's going to be plenty of opportunities. And even in that loss Saturday, you mentioned with Hooker, they didn't turn it over. No. They played as bad as they did, and South Carolina had 63 points without any of them being defensive scores. Because Hendon Hooker takes care of the ball, Joe Milton must do the same. Hutton, the third out of four things to watch, defensive changes. I'm not one sitting here saying that you fired Tim Banks after that one performance or anything like that, but this defense has not been that good this year. And really, they when you look back, they've won despite of the defense, in spite of the defense, c- consistently with Josh Heupel. That's got to change if this program's ever going to maintain their status as a relevant SEC football program. So Tim Banks has to make adjustments. Now, if they go out and look the same way they did against South Carolina and give up 50, 60 points to Vandy, I will be singing a different tune next week about the direction of defensive coordinator at Tennessee or what needs to be done. But this is an adjustment week for Banks. They've got to try some different things. They've got to knock Vandy off balance. Some of the things he dials up and pressures must work, and that could include some personnel changes. And it should include some personnel changes. You need to try some things out. Even if you're not completely sure about some guys based on practice performance, that needs to change this week uh, for for Tim Banks. Um, number one thing, or final thing, I should say, of the four to watch moving forward. I'm interested to see the scene in the stadium on Saturday. There was a lot of chatter about Tennessee fans wanting to checker the Vanderbilt Stadium. That died down when they lost to South Carolina. I have not heard a lot of that. Vandy's won two straight games. Are their fans suddenly going to be interested and show up? They should. This is a team worthy of your support if you're Vanderbilt. They're going for a bowl game. No one thought that was going to be the case. Um, they're a 14-point underdog, even with Tennessee's backup quarterback going in this game. But they've got a chance. So what is the scene in that stadium? Is it going to be a Tennessee home game that we all expected? Are Tennessee fans suddenly selling those tickets they bought back to Vandy fans? Or is it going to be a great atmosphere that's loud for Tennessee in this game? Because Hutton, we know how Tennessee performs when the crowd's behind them. They're undefeated at Neyland Stadium this year. They've been a different team on the road, and their two biggest road tests, they have failed miserably at Georgia and at South Carolina when the crowd was actually against them, unlike LSU. I'm going to be watching that at kickoff on Saturday night. I don't think Vandy comes in the game sleepwalking. Not at all. Vandy's got everything to play for, and they're going to let it rip in this game. Um, Also think that you'd have to be an idiot if you're a Tennessee coach or player to not allow these last two weeks with Vandy's wins get your attention. Yeah. I think they underestimated South Carolina. After that performance, following that up, I don't think Tennessee's walking in underestimating Vanderbilt in this game. May not matter. Mike Wright may rush for 250 yards and Vandy wins, and Joe Milton throws three interceptions. Don't know, but I don't think it's because Tennessee's going to underestimate Vandy in this game. Maybe we've been underestimating the the Titans' downfield passing game. I'm joking, because we haven't been. But we actually did show up in Green Bay. And what about the consistency of that moving forward? 
We'll preview Tennessee and Cincinnati Titans Bengals next on the Tennessee Power Hour. We are served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. From Knoxville to Nashville, Titans news and analysis on the Tennessee Power Hour. Cheers, huh? Cheers, Withro. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to greenbriardistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I am with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options. Wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoke pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. This is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We are back. Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Enjoy responsibly, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Charlie and Andy Nelson, two of the best people you're ever going to meet. Please try their Tennessee Whiskey and all their fine products. Tennessee Whiskey, though, terrific on a Tennessee Saturday night or Sunday night or Monday night or whenever. You want to have some Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey. Alongside Jonathan Hutton, I'm Chad Withrow. Time to talk some Titans for the next two segments of this Tennessee Power Hour. And Hutton, what a performance up at Lambeau Field. Snow flurries on a Thursday night. You got the Packers coming off a big comeback win over the Cowboys. They may be getting a little momentum in their season. And the Titans snuffed out any possible momentum for the Packers. Chad, what what has made the Titans successful since the Buffalo loss? was on full display in this matchup against the Packers. And I thought then some, because they're dominating at the line of scrimmage, very good overall plan from the coaching staff. And offensively, we actually saw an offense capable of going on the road and not just answering, but setting the tone in multiple ways outside of Derrick Henry. This is a, there's reason for optimism with what we saw from the passing offense. No doubt about it. Uh, And that's uh... 
something we'll talk about pivoting now moving forward throughout the rest of the season. If you're wanting to pivot to a new car, go see our Titans segment sponsor, Two Rivers Ford. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983. They sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right. You'll always get the best price. I know because my family's been buying from them for years. My wife, Angie, is actually there right now getting her car serviced at Two Rivers Ford. So call the toll-free number 800-900-1000. That's 800-900-1000. Thursday night was maybe the best coaching performance of Todd Downing's career as Titans offensive coordinator, Hutton. And there is something Mike Vrabel always says about not doing dumb bleep to hurt the team. And unfortunately for the Titans, the story the next morning was not Todd Downing's great coaching performance and game plan offensively for the Titans and the win over the Packers. It was for a DUI, uh, which is unfortunate for him, obviously. Unfortunate for the Titans based on that momentum from that win. Chad, th- this is um, – you're right, disappointment. It's it's also just – think about it from this perspective. You and I are always going to look at it from a, a realist point of view, right? If – if the trend had continued, because keep in mind, the, the offense had only scored more than 21 points this season twice. And the downfield passing game, uh, I mean, five yards in front of the quarterback was considered downfield, right? Like, it's just, it was not there. And the game plan and the creativity, and I, on a short week, uh, the, the touchdown call where Henry's throwing the touchdown pass to Austin Hooper, you've got on, on the, the fourth down, Tannehill at the line, acting like he's confused. Direct snap to Henry, full steam ahead, first down. I, I thought it, it, the Packers were chasing calls that we saw Todd Downing calling. That's how good I thought this game plan was. And you wake up the next morning and you see this news, and I'm thinking, man, uh, had you asked me what it would take to get Todd Downing fired midseason, I, DUI would have been on the list. And you wake up the next morning because of that offensive output, no one's really calling for his job. That's how good it was. And he's been the most hated coach in that on that staff for two years. That's how good it was. So, yeah, it's extremely disappointing. And I also want to set something straight on this perception. And again, I don't I don't have the details of what happened on the plane on the plane. But there are media members that want to jump to a conclusion that the flight home after a win or like a music video for a Dirks Bentley country song. <laughs> and it's just not the case. It, it's not I, – I have flown with Vrabel and Robinson in this team. Um, I've done it with other coaches too. I have seen awful rosters win one game with Ken Wisenhunt, and they acted like they were going to the Super Bowl in the locker room. And they get on the plane, and it's just silent. Um, it, it's, it's not like Todd Downing. By the way, the coaches and the staff and the administration, sometimes even ownership, not, not Amy – Adam Strunk, but sometimes Kenneth Adams, they sit in the front of the plane in like the first class area. Every area is the same on their plane, but you get my point. They're in the first, yeah. they're, they're in the front area. You go in and take a left. There's no way on an hour and 50 minute flight, Todd Downing is shotgunning beers like Animal House and gets in a car and leaves directly from there and gets pulled over. So the, the perception that the, the, the plane is somehow the bar, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. Like I've seen people drink a beer. Um, I've not seen coaches or players uh, just act like they're you know on Broadway. 
It's just that it doesn't go down like that. And I, I think that the no comments from Vrabel, people are insinuating that they're under investigation. I I just don't think it's a it's a situation, Chad, where we're going to look back on this and they're not saying anything on Downing because they're covering stuff up for the, for their own. This is on Downing, and um, it's it would not be unprecedented to see a suspension here either because we've seen it. The league has suspended Jim Ursay um, six games. They fined him five hundred thousand dollars for a DUI. They suspended Steve Kime, general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, for five games, and also fined him, but he kept his job. So. Um, it, the, the legal process played itself out in both of those before a suspension came down. The Titans can also do something. And my guess is they were talking about that over the weekend because they do have Tim Kelly as the passing game coordinator as well, who's called plays in Houston. Yeah, it's it's a this is a Todd Downing issue, not a Titans issue. I'm glad you made that distinction. I'm I, I'm with you. The any talk or you know, dramatizations of some big Titans scandal in yeah. this or other Titans coaches or GMs or people being, I mean, come on. If anything happens, it's going to be an organizational fine uh, because they happen to find a few beers on the plane, right? And they they violated the thing. But I'm I'm with you on it being some massive uh, issue when it comes to the Titans. It's a Todd Downing issue. It's a Todd Downing mistake, and I guarantee Todd Downing would would tell you that too. Sure. Uh, whenever he's able to talk to the media, um, Brian Tannehill is stepping up, Hutton. There, there's no other way around it. He has looked a lot better since coming back from injury. 408 yards of offense a season high, 320 yards uh, for uh, passing a season high. They've got 27 points with with this game in Green Bay on a short week. Tannehill's at the helm of that season high in points as well offensively. Um, Thinking about what Tannehill has been doing, going back to our conversation earlier about Hidden Hooker and, and Joe Milton, Tannehill not only gets them into the right play, I think many times keeps them out of a bad one. And he also allows them the opportunity to put ball placement around some of their offensive weapons as they continue to grow and mature within the offense. Uh, point point would be uh, some of the rookies or tight end play or just the threat that Tannehill's going to step up and thread the needle is, is something that this offense has desperately needed. He's been really good since he came back from injury. He was He was fine prior to that, but the offensive passing game was still really bad. Since he came back from injury and he's still hobbled, you can tell. Um, I give him a ton of credit because I, I think he's playing at an extremely high level right now for for the standards that you and I would set forth for him as a $30 million quarterback. And so far, so good as they now get to a Thanksgiving week where it is normally around the time the contenders in the leagues take a step forward. The Titans have done that. We've talked all season, Hutton, about the need for downfield passing, for explosive plays with this offense, and it's not been there. We got some of that on Thursday night, and a big reason, the play of rookies. Only three rookies in Titans history have had more yards in a game than Burks did on Thursday night. Chigakonkwo, huge catch there. They want to get him more involved, too. Rookies accounted for 142 yards and three explosive plays, Akonkwo and Burks. That's huge. And then when you factor in that the Titans had just 15 catches from wide receivers across the four games prior to Denver, prior to the games where Tannehill came back, um, they they desperately needed the offensive threat. Burks looks like he's starting to feel confident, more mature uh, within the playbook, I'm saying. And he, he's understanding the daily regimen of the NFL. That's great because they need him to explode in December as we get to the backstretch of playoff positioning. They need him on point and peaking in January. 
Yeah, no doubt. Um, Austin Hooper, Hutton, quickly with him. He's been the, the source of a lot of frustration with Titans fans as well. Are we starting to see him turn a corner? You know, he was the factor for the third game in a month for them. Uh, you know, he had that great touchdown catch. Uh, when the game was 20 to 17, they drove and got a score. And that was, you know, Henry throws that touchdown, but he also had the catch across the middle where it was originally ruled incomplete, then ruled touchdown. They review it, touchdown. I, I like what we've seen from him in the home game against Indianapolis and then Denver and then the road trip to Green Bay. He had over 30 yards in all those games. And that has equated to him playing a, a very distinct role for this offense. They need him to even pick up the pace a bit more, maybe two, three more catches per game. Because when the tight ends are rolling and the run game is going, then you can have Burks one-on-one. Defense was an issue for the Vols on Saturday night. It has not been an issue for the Titans this season. Defense, defense, and a little bit more defense. And we're going to play some defense and talk about that great side of the football for the Titans when we come back. This is the Tennessee Power Hour, powered by OutKick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier, Tennessee Whiskey. The Tennessee Power Hour. Get Jonathan Hutton's breakdown of this week's Titans matchup next. Cheers, Hunt. Cheers, Withrow. And cheers to brothers Andy and Charlie Nelson. After a chance encounter, they dedicated their lives to resurrecting the family business, Nelson's Greenbrier Distillery. And what they found is that whiskey runs in their blood. Made in Nashville, Tennessee, Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey is a taste of home with a real Nashville story. Head to greenbriardistillery.com for cocktail recipes and more info. Greenbrier Tennessee whiskey and Nelson Brothers bourbon now available throughout the great state of Tennessee. So ask for it at your favorite store. Get you some Greenbrier. Nelson's Greenbrier reminds you to drink responsibly. Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, 45.5% alcohol by volume. Don't pay too much for your new Ford. Custom order it from Two Rivers Ford just outside Nashville. Two Rivers Ford is the premier volume Ford dealer in Tennessee. They've been locally owned since 1983, and they sell all their new non-specialty Fords at just 1% over invoice. That's right, 1% over invoice. They treat you right, and you'll always get the best price. I know because my family has been buying from them for years. So call Two Rivers Ford today at toll-free 800-900-1000. Hey, it's Hutton. Get prepared for your next tailgate with my friends at Edley's Barbecue. You've got options, wings in 25 or 50 count platters, smoked pulled pork, the best brisket, tender turkey, and scratch-made sides family style. Edley's is perfect on game day or for take-home. Edley's Barbecue smokes all meats low and slow, and all sides are classic family recipes, fresh every day. Edley's is a tribute to all things Southern and authentic to all things Tennessee. Nashville-style barbecue, Edley's Barbecue. Order at edleysbbq.com. Hello, Tennessee Power Hour listeners. My name is Hunter Briley, and I'm with Regal Realty Group. And my name is Richard Van Clive. I'm also with Regal Realty Group. And we are great friends that treat our clients like great friends, because that's how we want to be treated. We are also born and raised here in Middle Tennessee and support our local team. And with an economy that's affecting everything except the real estate market, it's important to do business with friends that can tell you what's what. From contract to closing, everything in between, we have you covered. Go to RegalRG.com to get started. And happy football season. Is the Tennessee Power Hour with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. The Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick, served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey, recapping the Titans' win over the Packers, looking ahead to a big game against Cincinnati alongside Jonathan Hutton. 
I'm Chad Withrow. Our show served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey. Something that always pairs great with a little Tennessee whiskey. How about some Edley's BBQ? And Hutton's got the latest with Edley's BBQ. Hutton, I'm already hungry. Nashville-style barbecue, Chad, is Edley's barbecue, authentic to all things Southern and all things Tennessee. And, you know, in thinking about uh, this week, happy Thanksgiving to all of our our great listeners and supporters for the Tennessee Power Hour here at OutKick. And uh, Edley's can help you with that Thanksgiving meal. Maybe you got to take a side to the the wife or the girlfriend's uh, Thanksgiving gathering. You're thinking, man, um, I'm in charge of this. Edley's has got you. Edley'sBBQ.com is where you can find that. They've been voted Nashville's best barbecue four years in a row now. And I've vouched for their Nashville-style barbecue for far longer. Uh, but uh, across the state, from, from corporate meetings to boxed lunches to weddings and rehearsal dinners and holiday gatherings, and those can be big or small, Edley's has you covered with your local neighborhood location. Again, a tribute to all things Southern, authentic to all things Tennessee, Edley'sBBQ.com. Hutton Titans defense, it's been the storyline for this team. It's it's how they win to go along with Derrick Henry. And uh, regardless of the lineup, regardless of who's out, it's a defense that continues to get the job done, and that was the case again on Thursday night. And a, a defense that continues to get depleted by injuries, Chad, which is why, going back to our previous segment, that the offensive uh, – the, the, the capable offense, I should say, that we saw against Green Bay – that, that's why it's imperative that they get more than 21 points per game because this is a defense where the, 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 the game was 20-17. to 17. The Titans drove offensively, got a score. It was 27-17. And then the defense, who's it's already an elite group, the defense then gets four consecutive stops, and the game's over. It was a, 271 yards allowed in this game. That's the second lowest total of the season. And it's coming against an, an offense in Green Bay that going into that short week matchup felt like they found something on that previous Sunday against Dallas. It wasn't there. I mean, at, the, at times it looked like uh, a hopeless offense for for Aaron Rodgers and company and those wide receiving options. Titans did a great job stopping the run. They're tops in the league in that department. And once they get to uh, you know making you one dimensional. Then they could pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, and they they did that too. They they did a really good job of of not making Aaron Rodgers feel comfortable, even though it was a a a, a night where it it didn't feel like he was under a ton of pressure. But I, I think there were times where he's certainly feeling it based on the uh, the harassment that was coming up front. And it's amazing too. You think about Caleb Farley, who's now out with a, a back issue, uh, not being a factor on this defense as a first round pick. For whatever reason, and eventually it's going to come back to haunt, you would think. But even when a first-round pick on defense does not pan out at all, Mike Vrabel has the ability, Hutton, to plug and play and to make it work defensively. It's a remarkable job by him and his staff. Yeah, Bud Dupree's banged up. You know, you've got um, – they're doing this without Harold Landry. And uh, this past week, we saw Danico Autry go down. Um, although it doesn't appear to be season ending, according to Vrabel, and he has a chance to be back sooner rather than later, that's still a big loss because he and, and Simmons have been a really strong tandem side by side on the interior defensive front. But they've always had a role player step up there too. I mean, they're they're you know Mario Edwards on the outside, inside with Tier Tart. There have been others that have stepped up and had their moments. And Christian Fulton, who battled a hamstring injury and missed some time back in September and was on the injury report going into this week, he also 
had a hamstring issue in this game, and those can tend to linger as well. Both could miss time, and you know it's been now it's kind of par for the course, right, Chad? I mean, it's oh they're they're injured. We get it. We've seen this now for two years, and they find a way, especially on that side of the football. But the matchup this week against Burrow and company, and with the opportunity that they have to get Jamar Chase back in the lineup. I think this is, again, it, it's going to be more complimentary than it is dominant defense because I think the the injury to Fulton and, and Autry could keep both of them out against the Bengals on Sunday. Yeah, and um, let's talk about injuries now moving forward. Uh, for this game, maybe long-term also, what are the biggest concerns injury-wise for this Titans team, Hudden? Well, the, you know, the, the hip issue for Dupree continues to linger around. You know, they try to come back from it. it it just seems like it's just the same thing that he struggled to get through. And then the hamstring issue for Fulton is at the top of my list as well because that's something that he hasn't been able to fully get over all year. So the those things combined with the fact that, yeah, they've, they've been really good finding players to step in. Their best players, I think, will be needed by January. So long-term here, when long-term for this season, short-term vision over the next five, six weeks. I hope they can get as healthy as possible without sustaining more guys dropping out because um, it's what's made this unit so good. They they have players. It's not just role players. They have players. Fulton's a good example. He's gone from being a young up-and-comer to a, a, a guy that's playing with a bit of veteran savvy. He has among the best completion percentage rate for corners in the entire National Football League. So it's a it's a group that's very confident, and they're confident in every tier of how you would describe players from superstar to up and comer to role player to spot player. And what they can't have is too many of those top two guys, the upper tier uh, superstars to the guys who are really up and coming and started to be consistent. They can't have too many of those players drop out. That's the only hesitation you would have, or a fear you would have with the group that continues to find a way. And, Hunt, they're going to have to find a way against a good Cincinnati team if they're going to get the job done this Sunday at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. Uh, what jumps out to you the most when you look at this matchup with Cincinnati and the Titans? They've really struggled to find consistency in the run game with Joe Mixon, and they, they want to do that. They want to be more balanced because with Joe Burrow throwing it, Burrow, while, again, I think he's a star. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Uh, he's not getting that same type of love this year because of the turnovers and their pressure on him, the sacks, the turnovers, the slow start for the for the offense. They, uh, they he'll throw picks, but uh, uh, against Pittsburgh and their defense, without Jamar Chase, he completed passes to six di- different receivers that had at least a gain of twenty yards or more. So he's got he's spreading the the wealth. They, they're explosive offense. They very capable on the outside. But I think the, the the key for them will be, can, can they get Joe Mixon going out of the backfield, which is very difficult to do for them, period, but especially to do that against the Titans, and then pair that with Burrow being accurate and explosive with his best receiver likely coming back. The expectation as we taped this, and it was last week too, was that Jamar Chase was going to miss one more game in Pittsburgh, and then he would return to the team in Nashville for their for this upcoming Week 12. So, that, that that's it. And look, it's a it's a rematch of a game that we've circled. We've been thinking about this coming January since this past January, when the Titans lost to the Bengals, sacked Burrow nine times, hit him so many times more, and had him rattled. But they still lost that game. So this is one of those where they need a 
it has to be repeat, but they need a performance similar to what we saw in Green Bay offensively. And the other unknown is who's calling plays. That was crazy to think about, but, you know, if if Todd Downing wasn't calling plays 10 days ago, we'd be saying, oh, here's your reason for optimism. And now I'm thinking, man, they've, they've worked on some things and they have their rookies really starting to play well. They need to keep that going. And this is another game they're going to rely heavily on Tannehill. It's a great point. It's just uncertainty more than anything. You don't know. It could be better. It could be a lot worse. could be the same. Uh, May not be a factor at all moving forward with this Titans team. Or it could be the biggest factor in deciding them falling apart in the last part of the season uh, if Todd Downing can't call plays. So certainly something to watch. We'll be watching this game on Sunday. Hutton, it's prediction time. Titans-Bengals, what you got? I'm taking the Titans by four at home. Bengals are the road favorite right now. Um, according to Outkick.com, I'm looking at this right now and thinking about that. You know, a lot of that has to do with Chase coming back and the fact that Burrow looks to be hitting a stride. The thing about the the Bengals, though, in their recent wins, Chad, they have been able to put games away late by taking advantage of an opponent who cannot. And the Titans are the exact opposite of that. The Titans find stops defensively late. I'm following that trend here. I think it's a very tight window game, explosive plays. I'm expecting Burks to get more involved, Chigakonkwo to get more involved. And honestly, when that happens, the role players um, and the number two receiver in Robert Woods and Austin, they can play their role too. And I think that's great for a Titans offense that seems to be leaning more towards figuring it out than not. I'm taking it 28-24 Titans. Yeah, I'm going to go 24-20 Titans in this one. Uh, I'm not going to make the mistake I did against Green Bay. I, I think this Titans team, I picked against the Titans there. Yeah, This too. Titans team has figured some things out. Defensively, they're good enough to hold Cincinnati down in this one. I, I think they get a big home win in a revenge game for the Titans after losing that home playoff game a year ago. I have no reason to seek revenge against Hutton. That's why we're going to be back next week with another <laughs> Tennessee Power Hour. Uh, recapping Thanksgiving weekend, recapping Tennessee Vandy. We'll know or get closer to knowing Tennessee's bowl destination by then. And we'll recap Titans Bengals. That's all coming up next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the Tennessee Power Hour, powered by Outkick and served up by Nelson's Greenbrier Tennessee Whiskey.